Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park and fellow music fans, I'm Kayla. And I'm Bethany, and we're the hosts of Standing BTS from the Consequence Podcast Network. We're a bi-weekly show that covers the impact and legacy of K-pop group BTS. We mix the perfect blend of research and fangirl as we take a deep dive into lyrics during album reviews, theorize over music videos, and keep up with their current events. No BTS topic is off limits. We welcome everyone into the conversation, whether you're a casual fan, committed ARMY, or someone who's just curious about one of the biggest music groups in the world. Come chat with us every other Thursday with a new episode wherever podcasts are found. Hello and welcome to The Spark Parade, a show where I geek out with artists and entertainers about their cultural spark of inspiration. I'm Adam Unz, at Spark Parade on all social media. Uh, thanks so much for joining me today. My guest is Walt Disco front person James Potter, who spoke to me about, uh, well, about a lot of things. Um, we used a Knight's Tale as a jumping off point, but this is a pretty freeform, wide ranging chat in the best possible way. We spoke a lot about the relationship between music and film. And it was a whole lot of fun. So um, it would be cool if I let you listen to it, right? Well, guess what? It's your lucky day because I'm gonna. Um, but before we get to that, let's get a little bit of background, shall we? Quick James facts. James Potter is the lead vocalist for Scottish post-punk slash new wave slash new romantic band Walt Disco. Walt Disco's gift is the unique experience of discovery and heartbreak between queer people, something that James explores in depth throughout their debut album. They have earned massive acclaim from outlets like ID, Gay Times, Dork, Clash, Fred Perry, and NME, as well as covers with Foxes and Licks magazine. Walt Disco's debut album, Unlearning, is out right now. Quick Knight's Tale facts. A Knight's Tale is a 2001 American medieval adventure comedy film starring Heath Ledger as William Thatcher, a peasant squire who poses as a knight and competes in tournaments, winning accolades and acquiring friendships with such historical figures as Edward the Black Prince and Geoffrey Chaucer. Its 14th century story is intentionally anachronistic, with many modern pop culture references and a soundtrack featuring 1970s music. The film takes its name from Chaucer's The Knight's Tale in his Canterbury Tales, and also draws several plot points from Chaucer's work. And there you have it. Let's dive right in. 
Here comes my chat with Walt Disco's James Potter about A Knight's Tale. The uh, the first uh, point of of uh, the first port of call in all of these conversations is uh, the origin story. So, do you remember seeing A Knight's Tale for the first time? Maybe not the first time because it was kind of like my most watched film <laughs> from the age of four till fucking like 15 and I still watch it now but like it was just my whole family loved it so much like we'd all I watch it together all the time um like it's it probably is my favorite film of all time Mm. (laughs) yeah cool yeah I um was just reading a bit about it and reading reviews from when it came out and I think the reaction was generally kind of muted at the time. And one of the things Uh that I think is the most exciting about the movie was the thing that people responded the worst to, which is like the anachronisms, you know, using pop music in a film about the Middle Ages or, you know, um, a medieval film. And also the way that the characters behave was very modern. Yeah, well, I actually, um, I I was speaking to someone about, about doing this uh, podcast and I said that the first topic was going to be a night's tale and they were like the reason they chose to integrate pop music into it instead of using like lutes and like medieval tunes and stuff was because they wanted the audience to feel how people in the medieval times felt about their favorite songs Mm. (laughs) so that's um and the way they did it, I think, is like so brilliant and camp. Mm-hmm. Like the like, oh, we will rock you. Like they will have had a chant that like they did when they were about to see a jousting match and stuff like that. <laughs> like, um, and you know, I also Queen are also one of my favorite bands. So like, mm. the opening scene being a Queen song was <laughs> like, yeah. obviously huge exciting to me. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think it's it like that idea of uh, trying to give the audience a sense of what, you know, the excitement would have felt like at that time and how people would react to music is really uh, interesting and exciting. And it feels like this very antiquated way of looking at film that it's like everything has to be. And, and kind of nonsensical as well, that it's like everything has to be, it has to make sense. Everything has to be period appropriate. And I don't think that's no. a bar that anybody has to clear in any other way outside of, you know, um, music. Yeah. So it was a, a stupid criticism. Um, yeah. Like one of the, it, I think it would actually go down so well today. Like, uh, for example, like Bridgerton does so great and it's like, right. Uh, it works by it, it casts like racially blind like it doesn't like need to have like the aristocrats to be white and the like the like maids or like even slaves of that time to be black and it's a better show for it and you just don't need to think about race in that like fucking 200 year old state of mind you know right which is good (laughs) yeah and i think you know the the way that bridgerton uses pop music is maybe a little bit uh 
subtler because it's like orchestral versions of, of pop music. Yeah. Um, but I kind of like the in your faceness in like a Knight's Tale in uh, Sofia Coppola's Marie Antoinette, where it's like really just using yeah. these pop yeah. songs and having yeah. all of the characters react to it. It's not like it's uh, a soundtrack yeah. that the characters can't hear. It's like music that they're supposed to be, um, or at least some of the time that they're supposed to be um, listening to and responding to as well, which, um, yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. yeah it's, it's so cool yeah and like you know as i i know um uh jojo rabbit is another example of that yeah. having you know music that's uh, yeah. not necessarily period appropriate but it feels like it's much more become a much more common thing um to use songs on a soundtrack that are about creating a a mood or helping people to relate to the characters um and just kind of building a world for people to when, when they're watching the film instead of saying like, you know, again, everything has to be period appropriate. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, it was like genius. Like Georgia Rabbit's like the, um, the, the way they started that film is like, so like hauntingly clever, like the, like getting a German re- recording of a Beatles song and using and like likening the mania that there was for Hitler in Germany to Beatlemania. Mm-hmm. Um, the funniest take on like something so like disturbing, <laughs> like, right. which is what, like, I love Jojo Rabbit for that reason. It's just like, it's the, the funniest film about like the most evil man, like to mm-hmm. ever to exist. Like, right. Um, it takes you on a ride that film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think all of these, uh, the way that music has been used in all of those films is um, illustrative of a a broader point about the use of music in film generally that it's like this. I was watching some stupid TV show that's a thriller the other day, and I know that much has been made of this in, you know, YouTube videos and whatever, where, you know, people have a clip of like a horror movie and then take the music out and it's like all of the tension is drained out of it. And it's just somebody walking down a hall. It doesn't feel like, oh my God, what's going to happen? And the way that music is used in film across the board is really to set the tone, to enhance what's happening on the screen. And sometimes, you know, if it's people singing songs in a film, it's like part of the plot as well. Um, But music and film are so closely linked to each other um, that, yeah, you can't really imagine film without, without music. Yeah, absolutely. And I definitely, I definitely make music sort of like imagining like the the scene it would be in a film <laughs> like often as well uh yeah like it, like music and film like oh like if a, if a, a, a songs from film always connect with me a lot and i do i listen to soundtracks like all the time on spotify like uh, um it's one of my favorite ways to listen to music mm. yeah yeah i can remember being little and like <laughs> reading books and then thinking about what it would be like to turn them into movies and then trying to like create a soundtrack for different scenes in my head and stuff. Um, so it is this, uh, yeah, I think that's one of the things that can 
stick with you the most, like, especially with, with pop songs, with something like in a night's tale, the, you know, big famous scene with, uh, golden years and, um, the, you know, dancing to golden years that you don't necessarily remember the dialogue from that scene, but the song itself really sticks with you and it's, you know, easier to yeah. uh, retain the lyrics to songs that you love than it is to retain the entire script of a movie. So yeah, it makes sense that, uh, you know, those things kind of stick in your head. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Absolutely. I was also reading that in that scene, uh, in a night's tale that it was initially supposed to be, uh, get down tonight by Casey and the sunshine band. And that was the director's <laughs> choice. And it was Heath Ledger who said, let's try it with a different song. We can do it both ways. And then uh, I just think Bowie would be better for this. And the director was like, he was right. So we, we use that. <laughs> That's funny. Wow. Hmm. No, he, he pledges, uh, was, a, was a clever, <laughs> clever fucking guy. Like yeah. a really clever guy. Yeah. I'll, I just thought it was kind of a, amazing to have. Yeah. Uh, he he had uh, uh, a lot of um, he he was not afraid of um, voicing his opinion. Like that was quite early on in his career. This is probably a thing that he was first first got like big recognition for, and kind of made him a big Hollywood player. He had like the Patriot. He he was in the middle of filming it when this movie came out. So I think you know he would have been famous no matter what. But. Um, just thinking of this very young guy coming on a film set and telling the director, like, no, I think we should do it this way. It's like, it takes, it takes a lot of balls to, <laughs> to, to, uh, insert yourself into it like that. I agree. I think he, he, uh, he reminds me of Robert Pattinson and the way he's like gone about his career, like started off. I mean, that like, they're both based one of the most handsome men uh, I've ever seen. Mm. <laughs> like they're both pictorially attractive. And started off playing the heartthrob, but just like even in those like films where they were playing the heartthrob, like Ten Things I Hate About You, Twilight, they clearly had opinions on the way they did the character and put a lot, but like of the, their like thoughts into it. Like I, I was watching the GQ, GQ interview about Robert Pattinson's most famous roles, and it's like the director and the like the people involved in making Twilight didn't ask Robert Pattinson to play it as moody as he did, hmm. but he was, was just like, I need to do it like this. It doesn't make any sense any other way. It just needs to be so like a largely uh, like emo, mm-hmm. <laughs> like uh, the only, obviously the only way to play a uh, like a handsome vampire yeah. <laughs> that goes to, even though he's a hundred years old. Yeah. <laughs> He he absolutely fascinates me because it's. I always think that in uh, the realm of Hollywood actors, there are actors and then there are movie stars. And movie stars don't necessarily need to be good actors. They're just like charismatic. They're hot, whatever. And people want to watch them. But it doesn't matter if they're like, you know, they can just get away with playing themselves all the time. And he, you know, started out in these big franchises you know harry potter and um twilight and whatever and i think easily if he weren't as talented as he is um could have 
just kept doing stuff like that. And there's nothing wrong with doing big blockbuster movies, but um, his career could have gone in a really different direction. But not only is he really talented and a good actor, but he has really good taste and really weird taste. And he likes doing kind of smaller, weirder things like, you know, working with David Cronenberg and um, did you see the lighthouse? Uh, I I, I was, I was literally about to talk about this. Incredible film. Like we, we all watched it. And just got obsessed by it. We like started writing songs about like being trapped on like an island by because of stormy seas, like and just the language in it, and uh, it's just like it resonates with me every day. <laughs> like, mm. and, uh, yeah, it's definitely one of the most incredible films I've ever seen. Like the direct, can't remember the name of the director who did Lighthouse. Do you, do you, do you know Robert Eggers? Robert Eggers, yeah, yeah. Uh, he also did that film, The Witch, which mm-hmm. is a, like probably the best horror film that I've seen. Because <laughs> uh, I mean, horror, horror is often like quite hot, like a whole, I don't know, blockbuster, mm-hmm. and like wants to use cheap tricks. But that is, but The Witch is just like so haunting in so many ways. And Robert Eggers is just like the master researcher like and that's why the language in the these films like all i've set in very long time ago works so well because he's just researched so much how they spoke mm-hmm. i've got the best taste in actors <laughs> like, mm. um, yeah definitely yeah. have you seen the trailer for his his new one for the northman uh no i haven't it's like so, uh, based on the uh the myth that hamlet was based on um and it's like this kind of viking epic with alexander skarsgård and nicole kidman and ethan hawk and like all of these other huge stars bjork is in it um and it looks incredible and all the reviews so far have just been like this is so insane and it's so good so i'm very excited for that wow yeah i mean he's he's surely like best director at some point enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at betmgm sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet when you register with betmgm you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features live betting options and the best daily promotions in the business and with betmgm at your fingertips every play and every game matters more than ever place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, 
all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Funnily enough, at South by Southwest, we ended up at a party briefly with Ethan, uh, and Ethan Hawke was there. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say hello. I just caught him. And like, oh my God, Ethan Hawke is here. <laughs> yeah. He's in that new uh, Marvel TV show, uh, Moon Knight, and he looks oh. very grizzled. <laughs> He's like got long, kind of scraggly hair and a like white beard, and yeah. Uh, anyway, that's all digression. Um, getting back to, uh, the Heath ledger of it all. Uh, he, again, like, I think that the boldness of those choices, um, speaks to the kind of actor that he was, you know, being able to, uh, feel like he, he had the agency at a very early stage in his career to speak up and tell the director, I think this can be improved this way. Um, and then making those adjustments and making it like the scene that everybody remembers about that film, um, is, uh, is a testament not only to his creative powers, but also to the power of that song and, you know, uh, David Bowie's genius as well. Um, which is, you know, obviously a big part of it too. Yeah. I, I like, obviously was familiar with this song, like, at least 10 to 15 years before I really knew anything about station to station. Mm. <laughs> like it was like quite weird. Like when I started like diving deep into every single album he's ever made to get to get to, to when I got onto station to station being like, Oh my God, this is like the most haunted, one of the most haunting albums mm. ever made. <laughs> like uh, when I, all I associated with it was like, like one of the happiest songs I knew in the way. <laughs> right. uh, like, um, especially like with all the memory that I associated with it. But that's it makes me love the album even more. <laughs> like yeah. the, the fact, like stuck this just joyous moment in with all of the rest of it. Yeah, yeah, and just you know, speaking of creative geniuses who. Um, you know, I think in, in a similar way to what Robert Eggers has done, where each film feels stylistically so different. And it's about, you know, even if it's every film is kind of set in ye olden times, um, he is really trying to think of new ways to handle the material thematically. I thought that uh, the the witch was like, the the lighthouse makes the witch look like uh, a Disney movie in terms of the narrative, just like there, it was much more kind of straightforward linear thing. And the lighthouse is just absolutely batshit. Um, so the same thing with David Bowie, where it's like constantly pushing himself in new directions, wanting to surprise people, sometimes upset people with the things that he's doing. And um, just a, a career in constant motion. I, I think it's really rare for somebody to have a career as long as he had and 
have as much success with reinventing himself or changing yeah. the narrative, shifting the way that he views his work and um, the you know imagery that goes along with it, the way he looked personally, physically. Yeah. Um, yeah, ab- absolutely insane. I, as you may be able to tell, I'm a little bit of a mm-hmm. David Bowie super fan. So, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, like the way he like does that has done that reinvention thing is like kind of what makes me want to have a career in music and not I don't know just be in a band and make two three albums mm-hmm. um, because I get to satisfy everything i'm interested in mm-hmm. and like uh, it just means like the next project like is so exciting and like the the sort of the the earliest seeds uh, like evolving into like whatever it may be is like such an exciting process and, like obviously we've just released the debut album but like as i like the set the second album we're gonna like get right into as soon as we get off this tour Hmm. So it's just like so exciting to start talking about like how are we going to do it and like um, the process behind it, which is going to be like very different to how we did the first album. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, in any kind of creative pursuit, it's like you have these two factors um, or probably many more factors that come into deciding how your progress uh projects are going to um evolve but uh just thinking about the like creative growth thinking that you know you want to evolve and move forward and uh not keep repeating yourself but also having to be conscious of like the people who love your music and, you know, again, talking about Bowie, I think that was one of the things that was so astonishing is that he would shift the style of music that he was creating so that it was like he didn't he didn't care as much about whether the fans were going to be happy. He was he just cared about making music that was good and hoping that they would respond to whichever left turn he took. Um, but kind of balancing those things out where it's like you do want fans to stick with you <laughs> you don't want to just piss off piss people off completely and um you know i'm thinking of like mgmt making uh their first album that was absolutely huge and full of these like pop hits and their second album's like completely inaccessible and like all of the fans were like what is this um so yeah i guess my point is it's a balancing act you know you kind of have to um yeah be creatively fulfilled but also you know want to be conscious of of uh doing stuff that people will like as well i think it um it is like I, I quite like the artistic choice of like being like we're gonna make like like accessible songs that are still authentic mm-hmm. like i think like the way that simple minds did that like they started off making like interesting like synth the electronic new wave like um like cool art art rock almost like very much is like inspired by boy but like weird mm-hmm. and then they were like i could do, I kind of want to make kind of like stadium rock because mm-hmm. <laughs> stadium sounds like fun right. and like you you can only get this like that weird like euphoric feeling of 10 to eighty thousand people from writing like songs that big mm-hmm. <laughs> um 
and producing them in that way. Uh, so I, I, I kind of respect the, that artistic choice in a way as well. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, there are uh, a lot of ways to approach um, making any kind of art as well. So I don't mean to yeah. like shit on anybody's process, yeah. but <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Just with, again, like the, the way that you can use all of this music in movies to uh, set the tone to whatever, drive the plot, however you want to use it. Um, and I think David Bowie's music has been used in tons and tons and tons of films. And the fact that it is so, you know, the albums are so, uh, can be at least disparate. Like the, the, the sound evolves and changes so much that it actually fits with lots of different kinds of, uh, styles of film. And it's like what you said that this one track taken out of an album that tonally is very different so like the other songs on that album can be used for for uh to set the mood in a different way um yeah and i i love that yeah no yeah it's great i mean and 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 staying on jade uh david bowie um uh thank you with titi uh mm-hmm. in george uses uh a great bowie track at the end of this film because he recorded heroes in German. Hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, and that, that closes out the film. And it, because of the way it's like performed, uh, with like the huge voice cracks, it's like, it works so well in German, hmm. uh, because Bowie was just like perfect performer. He'd like, despite, I mean, he was probably familiar with the language cause he was living in German in Germany. Um, but, um, it's just it's just brilliant <laughs> like yeah. i kind of because i've heard heroes so many times in english and this one's fresher i actually prefer listening to the german version no <laughs> yeah yeah and it's also like that's a really interesting thing as well is not only using music that was not of that time period but re-recording it in a different language so it kind of fits um something that's bringing it closer to what the movie is about but also wanting like the the um meaning of the original song is really important to how he was using it in the film um so just kind of twisting it in this really clever way to uh suit his own needs like he's he's a very talented guy as well yeah yeah absolutely well I uh, I feel very good about this. This was a yeah. lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It's really nice. It was really nice. Yeah. <laughs> good chat about music and film <laughs> yes. forever. <laughs> yeah, yes, indeed. Um, I really appreciate you making time for me. Congratulations yeah. on all the success. The album is great. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, take care. I right, see you soon. Bye. Right. That was amazing, right? Thanks again to James for chatting with me. Walt Disco's absolutely fantastic debut album unlearning is out now and you should listen to it okay quick spark of the week from me uh, i saw james mcavoy in cyrano de bergerac at bam in brooklyn over the weekend and it was incredible 
It's a modernized version of the play, but it's still set in the 17th century. Everyone wears modern clothes and uses modern language, but the play is in verse. Um, it's got a massive, very diverse cast and a very sparse set. And the focus is really on the acting, and the acting is phenomenal. So check that out if you're in New York anytime soon. And that's all I've got. Have a fun, safe, and um, prosperous week. All of those things. I will be back next week with quite a cool guest. So start getting excited. And outside of that, until next time, bye. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.